0: Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports-related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings and salutations, and welcome to Outside the Sheds. By this point, you already know I am your host, your dictator. Your shed, Adamus. Okay, let's let's be. Come on, let's be honest. No one gets all of the picks right. Back in the day, Jimmy the Greek didn't get them all right. So shed heads, don't bring the head at me. I all right. So i maybe missed a few picks this week, but that's not why you listen to me. You don't listen to me to get rich at tab or to call your local bookie. You listen to outside the sheds to be a part of something big, and that big is family, and that family is Rugby League, Aussie Rules Football, and just us mixing it up together, and that's what we're doing right now. We're going to mix it up because I, to say that I am high would mean I might be into drugs, which I am not. I am high on life because I'm high on the finals. And after the final week one that we just had, I don't know how we can't just be over the moon. If you're a fan of the two games that we're here discussing and talking about, how can you not say that you are higher than a kite right now? And you cannot wait, depending on what part of the world you're in right now, you may be a few hours away uh, for your evening. Some of us will be a few hours away from early, early morning to watch some incredible footy from both codes: Aussie rules, rugby league, AFL, NRL two cousins that allegedly don't like each other but guess what they're family because they're sport and we love them but let's not talk about a few hours from now let's talk about what happened this last weekend and I'm kind of mixing it up now I'm I'm going to do the 4020 which we all know the 4020 is the change the, the game-changing kick that can happen in rugby league That can f- flip the field But to us, the forty-twenty is game-changing We're talking about big stories The stories that maybe both codes might have gone through That make people scratch their heads Go, wow! Or just, or like, did that really just happen, Mike? Did that really just happen? That is what we're talking about But the forty-twenty is going to be a little bit mixture of What we just watched and what just transpired From this first week uh, of the finals Friday night I will tell you I was probably more excited about the Friday night match between the Penny Panthers at the, at the foot of the Blue Mountains and the two time defending champion Sydney Roosters because this was a match that was the, the new guard Jerome Luai Nathan Cleary Against the two time premieres. Teddy. The brothers. Grim. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. The twins. We'll just call them the twins. Should we just call them the twins? Who are now signed on for another year for the Roosters. But the Morris boys. I better say it. I better just say it. I better not let to some of you who are still picking this up as we're going along. The Morris twins. And it was... It just had that feeling that something special was going to happen, and I think that was because we really didn't know it was going to happen. We didn't know if, if after the shellacking the Chooks took the week before to the Rabbitohs, we didn't know what team was going to show up on the field. We get word the day before the Sonny Bill Williams, SBW is not going to play little neck injury. And one thing we'll say about Robbo, Trent Robinson, the coach of the Roosters, he is not going to send a player out there to further injure themselves, one, or two, if he does not know for sure that you are okay. Plain and simple. That's kind of a strange concept, isn't it? Not sending your players out to be hurt if they're already hurt. Not sending your players out there to probably risk further injury. That's a new concept. I'm going to have to think about that more. But anyway, Robbo's not going to send SBW out there, and he didn't. So we have a team that has been the gold standard for the last two seasons. And, and to be honest with you, really, the, you know, the Chooks have been the minor premiers or won the championship back in 2013, too, the game that I was at and I told you about. But they have been the bell cow. A lot of people will say also the Melbourne Melbourne Storm. But let's be honest, the Storm really doesn't have a lot of silverware from this last 10 years, except for some some minor premier championships. They've got one. I'm not going to say they do, They don't, but I'm just, they have not. I The Roosters have been the team of this decade. Against the Penrith Panthers, a team that won 15 in a row, a team that are incredible dancers. And I'll let you guys go where you want to with that one. You got Romeo, which is Jerome Luai. If you've heard the man sing, you might also know why they call him Romeo. But that that halves combination you have there is, is magic. And... That Matt Burton is still on the sideline for the Penrith Panthers and, and and has not really got a sniff on the field shows you the combination that Luai and Cleary have. They are magic. They are... And I am not a gigantic Penrith Panthers fan, uh, I but I love to watch good football. And Jerome Luai, I don't know if you guys picked this up, but when Black Panther Chadwick Boseman passed away a few weeks ago... Jerome Luai scored a try, and and underneath the try post did the Wakanda Forever sign in tribute to the Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman, which to me was just magic. No one spoke about it, so that's why you come to me, Shedheads, because I will give you that knowledge that you need. But watching him do that and go back and look at it, it was magic. But that's what this team has been, is magic all season. You do not run, especially in a pandemic season, 16, Vic, excuse me, we're not, we're not foreshadowing yet anything. Did I just do that? 15 wins in a row and not have magic going through your side. Not have a team that loves one another. Not have a team that would do anything for their mate next to them. And that's what you have here. But that's what the cool thing about this was. Both of those teams stand for this. You have the, you have the Roosters against the Panthers, and they came head-to-head. And it, it went off like a gun to start. The Chooks jumped out to a 10 nothing lead and had the ball in the offensive end and were about 10 out, I would say, 10 meters out from the try line. And I don't know if I've seen a game flip on one play as quickly as this game did. Because as the, the Roosters started to make a play and pass the ball to the right, they looked like they had a mismatch. They made a pass to one of the Twins on the end. And, and Morris slipped. And I don't know if you've watched the play more than once, but Morris slipped. And as he slips, he tries to catch himself to get continue to go towards the try line. It allowed the Panthers to swarm him, pick him up, and carry him over the line and take him out of play. And I don't know, I don't know if it's because I've I've watched so much NRL, rugby league. And I'm always watching for those tiny little moments. And and, and sometimes in life you can call them little timestamps, little little moments where you can go back and look at him and go, huh. And I knew instantly right then when they took him up because they, they were on the brink of maybe going up 16 and nothing to a team that was young that could easily have gone, Wow, this foot this finals footy is totally different than what we've experienced this this last 15 weeks. And the emotion that Panthers showed when they took Morris into touch or took him over the over the, the line, you instantly could feel a dynamic shift. And I, read, I remember thinking, "Oh boy, what is this going to spell?" Well, what it spelled was 22 consecutive points, and the Panthers going into halftime up 22 to 10. I I think I was still in shock afterwards, uh, after that first half, after what I saw. I I knew that the Panthers were going to get back into the match, but I really wouldn't have been able to tell you they were going to score 22 points in a row. I I just, I just, I would have never thought that. But, coming out of halftime, the Roosters showed what champions do. And they battled, and they battled, and they battled. And a young Penrith side had to hold on late, and their gun, Nathan Cleary, kicked a one-point field goal. That in the end was the difference, because the final ended 29-28 20, Panthers. But the football that we saw right there was was downright incredible, just in the standpoint that it would, any normal team when they allow 22 points in a row, usually does not show spine after that. And for the Chooks to come back and to really push it late and to get within one point, and if it wasn't for, like I said, that Cleary kick, we're going into golden point. And who knows what happens then. But that does not happen. And congratulations to Penrith because they are one step away from going to the grand final. Then we switch codes, on and and we go to the Power and the Cats, the AFL match that we had. And your Shed Adamas said what was going to happen. He told you that the Power were going to be playing at home and that they were going to be really, really... In your face in the standpoint that It is not easy to beat Port Adelaide Or the Adelaide Crows At Adelaide Oval It just isn't easy to do And it was proven Because it wasn't done And no matter how Much You can say that uh, Geelong Was right there, the Cats were right there Um Port Adelaide has been again the benchmark in the AFL and they again proved it with the Cats you know Selwood Dangerfield they played well Danger even got a, a, a you know a good scar on his face a good a good cut a good knock a little claret flowing and like they always say chicks dig the scars so I guess Dangerfield will have something else to brag about but The power took care of business, and that, again, showed me that whoever's going to come through Adelaide to go to the grand final is really going to have to be playing their best football, because I think that match really will feel, the way that they have to go in there, is really going to feel like, quote-unquote, I guess you could say, um, an early final To go against that many people because there was I think there was I think there was over thirty thousand in attendance for that game, which is strange, isn't it? Isn't it strange to see stadiums with fans in it? And I know down under right now, all right, all right, New Zealand, stop now. I know you guys have been in in packed stadiums for a while, um, but that's what happens when you take care of a virus the way a virus is supposed to be taken care of. But so so don't gloat now. I. Yeah, please, I am proud of you though But please, all of us who don't do it right Are playing with fake noise all around the world But Australia is right there too And so Australia is, I think there was 30,000 in South, Austra- South Australia In Adelaide Oval But it was really cool to see And that's a, that's a rabid fan base down there And they I think they helped the power get over the top there Which was really cool to see um, They deserved it Adelaide, and it's really good to see them playing the football that I think um, they've they've been under pressure for the last couple seasons to to do and to be and and to play like. But I'm not going to do this for you. I, I was going to do it a certain way where I was going to go back and forth to keep the the days of what happened and what transpired. But I know some of us are, are coming into this. New and, and I and Shedheads, I'm, I'm so proud of you that have come into this. And, and to some of you, this is a new world the world of, of rugby league and Aussie rules football. Um, so I'm not going to try to confuse you. So I'm going to keep on to NRL and then AFL when we go through these matches. Okay. So get your pen and paper out, get your favorite highlighter, and we'll go from here. So let's jump ahead to the Raiders and Sharks match. That happened, and here's the thing that happened with all four of these matches that, that took place in the NRL Finals Week One. Every single one of the lower seeds got up and had the leads and started fast in these matches. And Gus Gould said something when I was listening to him speak. And Gus Gould said, "He said a few years ago that would have never happened." You would never seen a team get up by double digits like that and been able to hold on. You wouldn't have seen it. And that, that kind of shows you the six again, how fast the game moves now. The teams don't really go right into panic mode when they get down. And that really, 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 and I don't know if I can stress really hard enough, showed this week. Because the Raiders... Playing down in GIO Stadium, we're facing a team they've had a good rivalry with. I would say over the last three to four seasons in the Sharks, and this is a Sharks team with with Chad Townsend coming back extremely motivated after suspension for the Kalen Ponga hit, but they're playing without Sean Johnson. But they still took it to him. Chad Townsend's kicking game was 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 straight up incredible. I'm saying the man he dictated a lot of the the, the 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 face of play and he really kept that team ahead. And they were up fourteen to six, just in a a, a slogging, dirty wrestling, just in your face match. Just like the Sharks like it. And a guy that's been matter of fact now the team captain with Gallon now retired, but Wade Graham was again leading the team down the field. The team was moving. And Wade Graham went for a cutout pass that was intercepted by George Williams, who ran, I think, 65, to score a try. With two minutes to go in the half. And that was a backbreaker. And I and 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 again just like I was talking about earlier with the Morris tackle into, into touch, that that had that sensation where we now had a game that looked like it was going to go in half at 14 to six. Then now it's going into half at 14 to 12, and now the better team feels like we're right where we where we should be, and it played out that way. The Sharks did get a, a, a crazy call against them in the second half. With a with a with a Jack White and quick tap that, you know, Wade Graham was asking for a timeout and wasn't granted it, but the entire team wasn't ready to tackle anybody, and White and just ran right through the middle and scored a try, and that was the backbreaker. I and I knew after that point the Sharks weren't coming back, um, no matter how hard they they fight. And John Morris has got that team playing some really good football, and they've had injuries all season. They've had players that that haven't played or produced the way they thought they were going to this season. They had a, a really young team come through, but it was not to be. And everything was going to have to go right for the Sharks to get over on top of Ricky's boys. And Sticky had the Raiders ready to play. Now, did they play their best match? No. Not even close. Um, the Raiders winning that that game 32-20 to 20 over... The Sharks shows you that because I think a lot of people weren't expecting it to even be that close, but the Raiders did what the Raiders had to do, and it sets up a matchup on Friday against their nemesis, the team that they feel stole the grand final away from them last season, the Sydney Roosters, and so that is that is a incredible matchup that we're going to get to kick off um, semifinal round. This weekend, or in a, in a matter of hours. Matter of fact, the next match was on Saturday night, was the Storm and the Eels, and I and I think of all the matches that we looked at on on paper going into Finals Weekend for the NRL, that this one was the one that I thought was going to be the the match that wasn't really close. And I'm sorry, Blue and Gold Army, this is nothing against you guys. Um, you guys have played some really incredible football this year. Um, I, I have to admit, Gutherson is one of my favorite players to watch. The guy is all heart, even though he looks like he could probably sell you insurance on the weekend. But the guy is all heart. And my God, that lettuce flows on that kid's head, doesn't it? Boy, he's got a good set of lettuce up there. But anyway, they were up against it, though. They were up against the Cameron Smith, rested, Melbourne Storm side. And it's bad enough to play the Melbourne Storm To have to play the Melbourne Storm. Period. But. To play a rested Melbourne Storm team. In. In Queensland. Where half the team. Represents the Maroons anyway. So they're all from Queensland. So they feel like they're getting ready. They're able to play in front of their family and friends to an extent. They feel at home there. They have an incredible record up in Queensland. The Storm does. So. I I was never expecting a close match at all for this one. But again, that's why we play these games, is it not? That's why we play these games. And the eels, just like the other two matches, came out of the blocks flying and before you even knew it, there was a there was a turnover and then there was a couple punches to the face and I'm just using that that didn't really happen. What I'm saying is before you knew it, the eels were up 12 to nothing. And old Bellyache up in the box was kind of looking. Craig Bellamy, the coach of the Storm, was looking and going, had that look on his face like, well, I wasn't expecting this. But the one thing that Bellyache has is he has Cameron Smith on the field. And Cameron Smith's reaction, face didn't change much. They didn't get a, a sense of panic. They didn't have a sense of worry about them. They didn't really act like... Oh boy, what are we up against? They just continue to play. And before you knew it, my I will probably say this, and I, I don't like to play, pick favorites. I think all of us, anybody who says you don't have a favorite team or a team that really is close to your heart, you're a liar. Because we all do. We're human beings. We all have favorites. We all have a best friend. We all have well, if you didn't have that, we would all have five wives or six husbands, wouldn't we? But what I'm saying is, I think my favorite player in the competition right now is Ryan Pappenhausen. I'm sorry, Tiger fan. Did I say that out loud? Because I know every time you hear that, that's got to hurt. Because again, once again, I think I said this a few weeks ago, once again, another Tiger getting away. But Ryan Pappenhausen is electricity personified. And that is, that young man, legs caught fire. His electricity went up. The heat in the stadium went up. And he just went over the top. The storm just went over the top after that. Uh, Pappenhausen had two breakout runs. And he just he just changed. You felt it. And then, and then let's not, you know, Mike Acebo went down with an injury. Blake Ferguson went down with an injury. And you can only have so many injuries and and change your line so many so many times to move players around. And even and I think even after that, even though you had Michael Jennings, and Michael Jennings can play wing, that's not a problem. He can play center or wing, and he went out to the wing and and played great as usual, the old the old silver fox. But but the thing about it is I think I think it was the player that came in and took the place of Mike Sivo. He got injured too. So you just can't make up for that, especially against a rested Storm team. And again, they went over the top. And, it, 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 and let's be honest, the Eagles made it closer than I think a lot of people even thought it was going to be because the Storm brought it home 36-24 over the Eagles. But again, the Panthers and now the Storm can prop their feet up Drank a triple X gold or a mimosa, a 2E extra dry, whatever you want to drink, a VB. Because they're, they're sitting in the catbird seat. And you're going to have to beat them. Arrested team. Now the Panthers are going to have it a little bit more difficult than I think the Storm in the standpoint that uh, Kickow is out. Bill Kickow is out because of a throw to Jarrowia Hargraves that I think a lot of people who are fans of the game... Uh, do not think that was maybe even a penalty, let alone a one-week suspension. But that's going to be tough for them. But you know they've got so many players up there, and and I know none of them are will the, I'm a kickout, but but they will be fine. They'll be fine. Um, and then the last match on Sunday was the Rabbit Toes and the Knights. And I've got to say, for a guy that a league is trying to make the face of the league in Kalen Ponga, that Knights team, you don't know what you're going to get week in and week out. They've had something to play for for the last three weeks and just for some reason almost didn't seem like they could get up for it. They had a chance last week to play Gold Coast, even though we've talked about this. The Gold Coast Titans, towards the end of the season, were, a lot of teams are very happy Gold Coast didn't sneak into that number eight spot because they would have challenged anybody they played. But that they had something to play for playing that Gold Coast team, the Knights did, and really laid an egg. And because of that, did not get to host you know, week one final up in the Hunter. But, and then they have to face a team that the week before just got over their their arch rival, the Rabbitohs, who beat the Chooks handily. And now they're going to flip the switch and just say we're in the finals now, so we're going to show you a, a finals they hadn't been in in, I think, eight years. We're just going to flip the switch and go. I found that hard to believe as well. To me, this was the second easiest pick of the week. Um, but again, we play the matches, we play the games for a reason. And again, the underdog team, the Mitchell Pierce, Kalen Ponga led Knights get up fourteen to nothing. Fourteen to nothing. And that, to me, I, I don't know. I didn't know. I, I really started to see. That, that Knights team started to have a great deal of confidence. They seemed like they were not out of place with that lead. They seemed to really be embracing the challenge because I think they knew that most of the rugby league world was not expecting them to come over the top of the red and greens. And I think that overconfidence is that timestamp, folks. That thing that we've been talking about for three of these matches. That moment where you go, huh. And that moment happened with a sledging. And a sledge means, uh, sledging means a little bit of trash talking. To all of you who don't know what sledge means. But Mitchell Pierce, the captain of the Knights, with a, with a, a ball changeover, Walked up into the middle of a pack of guys as they were getting ready to to form up, I think a scrum, and started to jaw at Cody Walker. We talked about this a week ago when when Cody Walker was one of my guns of the week. And I said, what you do not want to ever do is make Cody Walker mad or have him start playing with passion and flair because he has something to prove. And I think if you want to get out your your recordings of this, and listen, I said that. I said, Cody Walker, playing with emotion, might be the best player in the competition. And then Mitchell Pierce had to go up next to him and poke the tiger. Here's what you don't do. One, poke a tiger. And two, let's just say it, piss off Cody Walker. Because the South Sydney Rabbitohs woke up and they woke up to score 46 points in a row. And a match that was at one time 14 to nothing finished 46 to 20. And that last try was scored as the, as the siren sounded to give the Knights their, 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 their 20th point. And what a great kick by Aiden Guerra, by the way. It was Aiden Guerra's last match for the Knights, and, which is kind of one of the honors that happens uh, in the rugby league world when it's a player's last match on their last point uh, during some time during the game. They let them kick, after they score a try, the kick after, or the point after. And Aiden Guerra, from the sideline, tattooed it, hit it right down the middle. So that was really cool to see And Aiden Guerra was, a, was an incredible player um, he, he was really really fun to watch Back in the Roosters He's been injured and probably hasn't played as much With the Knights But he had a, a, a great career And he's a champion But the Rabbitohs Inflicted what the Rabbitohs Needed to do And they continued By again Destroying a team And that's 106 points now In 10 days for the Rabbitohs that they've scored in their last two matches. 106 points. That leads us to a matchup of the Eels versus a on-fire Rabbitohs team. And I don't want to say the easy pick of the round is this match, but the easy pick of the round to me is this match. I, I don't know what the injuries, that are, with the, what the Eels have, how they're going to match up with a team that looks like a team that's starting to feel that they're a team of destiny. And the thing to think about this is they're doing all of this without Latrell Mitchell. A lot of people put the fork, put the for sale sign in the front of the lawn, put the fork to see if it was done. Because everyone thought the rabbit toes were, as we would say in some parts of the world, pushing up daisies after Luttrell Mitchell went down. And if you're a fan of the NRL or a fan of Rugby League, do not look me in the face and say you didn't think that too. Because Luttrell was coming on. And when he got injured, more pundits than myself said that's the season for him. They're done. They can't they can't they can't come over the top of that. They need Latrell Mitchell to win. Unless I guess you can find a fullback with the name of Corey. Great name, Rabbitos. Great name. Let's keep him in the lineup. But truthfully, the Rabbitos might be the hottest team in the game right now. And a team I don't think anybody wants to face. But Again, that is why we play the games. But South Sydney, and I said something too last week with Wayne Bennett being named the 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 origin coach for Queensland for the Maroons. I said, what happens if if, if Wayne Bennett leads the Rabbitohs to the grand final? You made Kevin Walter step down. You made kevy step down when he got the job at the Broncos. Well. How is that any different if Wayne Bennett leads them to the grand final? Do you think Wayne Bennett's got all the time in the world to give all of his time to Queensland? I, I think that I think Keb, Kebby Walters deserved to keep that job, especially if it does pay, play out that way where Wayne Bennett might only have a week and a half, two weeks to try to get everything in order if he actually takes him to the grand final. Again, we're weeks away from that, but he looks like he might have... Maybe the hottest team in in, in the league So That is my rundown Of The NRL first week So let's transition Let's put our blinkers on Let's change lanes And go talk about the cousin Let's talk about some Some AFL Some Aussie rules I already talked to you earlier About how The power held serve And took care of business With the Geelong Cats the next match was a match that really, really intrigued me. It was the up-and-coming Lions team, which some people could kind of say um, kind of resembled the Panthers in the way the Panthers have kind of come through in the NRL. But this, this team from Brisbane had played some incredible footy all year. But they had to play the team that had the hoodoo against them. And the hoodoo means curse. The Tigers have beat them 15 consecutive matches. Had beat him this year. and and a team that's won two out of the last three grand finals just was not going to be intimidated and 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 I knew that they weren't going to be intimidated. Um, you know, when Cochin led them out on the field, that team walked on that field with Dustin Martin. that always helps you. with Dusty there, makes you always feel a little bit more confident, but really really looked like they had matters in hand and really weren't worried about the Lions. And it started out that way, even though it was a really back and forth battle. But I got to tell you something. The Lions took it to the Tigers. And you know, I don't know. I you know, I don't I don't know if if they were just up for that game, if the Tigers maybe didn't give them the respect they deserved. But the Lions won that match 69 54. And really, I, I, I'm going to be honest when I say really weren't troubled too much by the Tigers in the second half. And Dustin Martin kind of disappeared a little bit. And, 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 and that has not happened for quite a long time. Not due to, you know, if it's not because of an injury, Dusty has been front and center for the Tigers in their two premiership title marches and he just kind of disappeared a little bit in the second half and that was really strange to see um but the lions held serve at the gaba held serve at home and are going to be able to now hold serve in the fi- you know in the final to be one step away they're going to be able to host that match so congratulations to the brisbane lions i'm saying this is a team that a couple years ago was i don't want to say the laughing stock of the league but they just they they were in financial hardship. They just didn't have a lot of things going in their favor. I I was fortunate enough to see them play the demons up there. Uh, I think two years ago, and the demons beat them up there. The D's beat them up there. So, and I think it may come out later on them getting Luke Hodge from the Hawks from Hawthorne. Hodge getting into the sheds up there for a couple seasons. I think might have changed the entire way the Brisbane Lions team saw themselves, carried themselves, and felt about themselves. And I think we might be seeing that now. Because when you get surrounded by a champion and you watch what a champion does, and by no means, I hope no one here does not consider Luke Hodge a champion. Because Luke Hodge is one of the greatest captains we've had for a club For probably the last 10 to 15 years I'm saying Luke Hodge Led a team And that's a lot of pressure Doing what they did Winning three premierships like that But But I think that 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 undercurrent of Luke Hodge Being in the sheds Up in Brisbane Might have changed the fortune Might, Might go down as one of the best Signings that the Lions did And he may not have Transpired with Haji putting up incredible numbers and points but the professionalism that he brought to that club and the and the and teaching them how to win and what to do to win I think is what really is going to carry them over the top and I think why they're in the position they are right now so congratulations to you Brisbane Lions you really it's really fun seeing you guys be able to enjoy the footy and it is sad I talked to you earlier about not having fans in the crowd. And it would really have been really, really nice to see more people at the GABA, besides the few that were allowed in, to really be able to make that place rock the way the Lions really deserve to be celebrated for that victory. The match after that was St. Kilda making, finally, their, tr- their, their finals return against the Dogs. And and last week when we were picking the matches, I said to me, this was the pickem. I, I I really couldn't pick this match. It was two teams to me that I thought were pretty even matched. I guess I guess if you're a person that likes the halves and think the game is one in the middle, you might want to favor the Bulldogs there. And that's what I heard a lot of people saying. But but bigs wise, you know, with Patty Ryder and Carlisle. I just thought that St. Kilda evened that out. And I think when you saw the final score of 67-64 Saints victory, it kind of played out that way. Now, the one thing that didn't play out that you didn't see was that the Bulldogs were down, I think, 22 points in the fourth quarter and made a run. I mean, I was watching the St. Kilda fans in the crowd there, (laughs) and I think some of them might have either lost hair or lost pigmentation in their hair for that last three minutes of that game. But the dogs, they're the reason they're called the doggies, because they would not go away. And when everybody put a fork in them, and when they got behind 22, I was like, this thing's over. And they just, they made a run towards the end where, I I don't know, really was that excitement on the field? for the Saint kill the Saints after the match, or thank God it's over. Because I think they felt the Reaper chasing him, uh, and the siren the siren saved him from that. So congratulations to the Saints. And that, ladies and gentlemen, leads us to a matchup between the Tigers and the Saints, which has a little bit of an undercurrent because the Saints beat the Tigers this season. And that was the game that pretty much had people starting to talk that the Tigers were not the Tigers anymore, and the Tigers might want to start figuring out what's going on and blah, 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 and everybody got started to pile on top of the Tigers, but it really was a kickstart for the Tigers' season that they knew that they had to flip the switch to start going. But the Saints have beaten them, and for a team to beat a champion is sometimes what needs to happen for them to believe that they can do it when it counts. But the problem on that, or the other side of the coin, is don't think the Tigers don't remember that as well. And don't think the Tigers don't feel like they have a little bit to prove here. One, they just lost to a Brisbane Lions club they think they probably feel they should have won against. And two, that these Saints beat them earlier. And I think that that is going to be an epic tussle there because... I'm really curious to see which team imposes their will. But the other thing that is really exciting about that match is I love to watch players play against their old club. And Dan Butler, who plays for St. Kilda, was a member of that 2017 Tigers team when they won the Premiership. And Dan Butler now, being a Saint, because he really couldn't get into the starting lineup enough and he wanted more playing time. And that's why, even if he's got... Yellow and black running through his veins, he wanted to show that he is a player, and that he can play on this level. So Dan Butler gets a chance to go up against his former team, and whenever a player can do that and try to show that you made a mistake, and you should have kept me, that's always intrigue, and that always excites me to watch. And I'm and I'm a big Dan Butler fan. I I, I really. I really like the way that he plays. I like the aggression, the speed, and the moxie he plays with. So I'm really excited to see his matchup against the Tigers and see what the Tigers do to try to neutralize him in the middle of the field and to try to take away some of his running. And then the last match of the round. This match to me was almost like my feeling of the storm against the Eagles. I didn't see much of a chance of the Pies going out West and beating the Eagles. For one, it was going to be not a packed house, but more of a packed house than most of these players are used to playing in front of right now. And West Coast has had a good season. I'm saying, yeah, they didn't finish in the top four, but they finished fifth and they were right outside of it. And you have a Pies team that finishes in eighth. That... Who knows if they stay in the top 8 if there's a couple se- a couple more weeks left in the season. And it may have been one of the greatest victories in Collingwood's history. They win the game 76-75 by one point. And I think a lot of people remember just two seasons ago when the Eagles pretty much ripped the, the premiership and the championship on grand final day away from the Pies. And I guess you could say that payback is a you-know-what, right? Because Nathan Buckley brought that Pies team on a plane up there, and they did what the, the, the betting world and, and the Aussie rules world just did not see happening. But that, if you get a chance to see the highlight of that, go on to YouTube if you didn't watch it live and look at look at that last 10 minutes of that match. That was some incredible, that was in some incredible footy to watch. And and the Eagles, I don't want to say the Eagles ran out of time because I think that is such a overused statement. Ah, oh, they just ran out of a little time. If they just had a little bit more time. Well, that's for everybody, isn't it? You know, damn. not we always say if I had another five minutes, what I could have done? Isn't that one of our favorite thing? just give me a, just give me a couple more minutes. How many times were you taking a test back in the day and that and, and your instructor or teacher started coming around to pick up the test and you're wanting to go, just give me another couple minutes, can you? Can I just have another thirty seconds? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, they ran out of time. And yeah, the Eagles were coming for them. But guess what? They didn't catch him. They ran out of time, and the pies win. Maybe one of their most impressive and courageous victories since 2010. And that, ladies and gentlemen, shed heads from around the world. That sets up old school hate and old school battle between the Geelong Cats and the Collingwood Magpies. The hoops against the prison bars. Dangerfield against the Gooey. This match is going to be one that I I'm really excited to watch. And I and I hope you don't have a dog in the fight in this one and you can just sit back and watch a game to watch a game because it really will be a, a tussle. It's going to be fun to watch. Um, there's a lot of history with both these clubs and you know there's when, when, when clubs have history like this there's usually not a lot of love between them but the good news is it looks like Joel Selwood who hurt his finger is going to be back for the match they say that you could probably cut off about 30% of his leg and he would still try to find a way to play this game so that's good news that Selwood's going to play because you want both these teams to have full ammunition and full arsenal for this to actually be able to do what we want them to do so that looks like it's the case so let's go down these matches again and we'll we'll try to pick them up for you Friday night I guess over there which would be Friday morning for us stateside we've got the Roosters versus the Raiders at the Sydney Cricket Ground huh what do we do with this one there is no love between these two teams Ricky Stewart, sticky, not the most friendly individual unless you're, you play for him, not a guy that really enjoys a smile too much, kind of hard-nosed, hard-edged, against Trent Robinson, the guru, two-time premiership back-to-back coach. This is, at, is in Sydney, it's at the cricket ground. And I've been going back and forth all week about this one. Who do I think is going to win it? But I think I'm going to still, I'm gonna, I am still have to go. To be the man, you got to beat the man. And as the great Ric Flair would say, you're not the man yet. And I just think, even though some people would say that the Raiders have been playing a little bit better football the last few weeks, I just think the Roosters, Jake Friend is going to be back at dummy half. I think that the Raiders are going to fall just a little bit short again. I think the Chooks win this match, even though it's going to be a tight contest. And what scares me about this match is when these two teams hook up, it is usually a war of attrition, and usually people go down. And neither one of these teams can handle losing players, because don't forget, the winner of this matches up against the Melbourne Storm. And if they somehow find a way to get over the Melbourne Storm, then they've got to either play, they could play the Penrith Panthers in the grand final. Or the Rabbitohs. Or the Eels. But either way, you're going to have to have all hands on deck. And so the only thing I'm hoping for in this match is that both teams come out of it. The winner comes out of it. Um, with as many healthy players as possible and unscathed from this battle because it's going to be a battle. It is going to be bludgeoning. It is going to be in-your-face footy, and there will be some barbs exchange. Let me just put it to you that way. But I'm going to go with the chooks on that. I'm going to go with the chooks at the SCG. Then at the same time at Metricon Stadium at Gold Coast you got the Tigers and the Saints. I talked about this earlier. To be the man to beat you have to beat the man. And I am not going to pick up against a a, hard, a Damian Hardwick team until I see them lose when it counts. And for that reason I'm I'm going with the Tigers there. I think I think St Kilda will push them, but the thing that you don't remember or you might not know is that Patty Ryder hurt his tendon for St Kilda, and Carlisle is going back to Melbourne for his ki- for his wife's uh, is about ready to give birth to their child, so that's two of their big men, and I think that's going to be a huge 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 problem for St Kilda. And that's why another reason I think the Tigers go over the top of them. For one, something to prove, and two, they're just—I think those are two big outs for St Kilda. So Tigers bring it home on Friday night. So that leads us to Saturday. Oh, by the way, both of those matches are going—like I said—are almost played simultaneously, but they're on FS1 at I think 4:30 and 3:30. So go to your guides, look it up. But both those matches are on FS1 and FS2. So that's where you can where you can watch both those matches, unless you have the apps. Saturday, we've got the Eels versus the Rabbitohs at Bankwest Stadium. The Eels had a chance to play this at Allianz, I think they said, um, in front of more people, but they chose to play it at home because it's their home match at Bankwest, so so at, on their home ground. But I don't think that's going to matter to the Rabbitohs. I'm not spending a lot of time on this talking to you guys. I think the Rabbitohs will be pushed early. But I think the Rabbitohs um, leave quite a bit of distance between them and the Eels when it's all said and done. Blue and Gold Army, great season. But I think the bu- the, bu- the Bunnies are going to have too much. I think they're going to have too much for them. So Bunnies I have in that one. And then that leads us at the same time at the Gaba to the Geelong Cats, the Collingwood Magpies. The match I just spent a little bit of time talking about. Old school hate. History against history. The hoops against the prison bars. And let me, I should probably explain that to you instead of just talking lingo. The Guernsey for the Geelong Cats or the jerseys have blue circles on them. Or hoops around the jersey. So they're a blue and white jersey and Collingwood has black and white stripes up and down, so they call them the prison bars. So it's the hoops against the prison bars. So there's some history there. I just have to go with Geelong on this. I have to go with the Cats. I think Dangerfield had an all right game against Port Adelaide, but nowhere close to what he can have. I think Joel Sealwood, as long as that finger holds up, is going to play well and i think hawkins is going to i think hawkins is going to have an incredible match hawkins is going to have i say he's going to have 3 goals i think tom hawkins is going to have one of his matches in this in this game so i'm taking the cats at the gaba to finish out my semifinal round of picks one last thing I wanted to hit at at the 4020s before we go on to talk about the guns and outside the bubble is that Kalen Ponga was named in the Queensland 15 by Wayne Bennett. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this as well. Kalen Ponga got beaten up this year, up in Newcastle. And it wasn't just the Chad Townsend hit that broke his nose. was <laughs> I still I still can't get over that coming from Chad, but but Kalen Ponga has really... He actually got rested a week because he was so beat up. His body just needed to heal. And he's now, they say, have he has a labrum injury. And he doesn't want to rule himself out. He wants to play for Queensland. If I'm Newcastle, and I've signed this young man to this type of contract... There's no way on God's green earth he's playing State of Origin this year. Right? Matter of fact, tomorrow he's under the knife. Tomorrow he's having surgery. Tomorrow he begins his rehab process to be ready. Because even if he has surgery tomorrow, he may not be in strength to start the season for Newcastle. And I know the Knights have big plans next year. They finally made it to Finals footy again. But I think they want to go more than just one and done. You know, for a lot of this season, they were in the top four. So this is a team that thinks that they're close, a few pieces away from being able to really challenge. But I'll guarantee you what's not going to happen is if Kalen Ponga is not 100%, you're not challenging for anything. And I think it's really tough to say a 21-year-old kid, 20-year-old, 21-year-old young man is the face of your league, even though the NRL is really pushing for Kalen Ponga to be that. I think that's a lot of pressure on a young man. Caleb Ponga comes from good stock. He looks like he was raised well by his parents. He looks like he's handing it, handling it quite well. But he needs to have this surgery. And the thing I've told you about State of Origin, it is some of the hardest-hitting football you will ever see. And when you talk to players that have played a State of Origin series, they say they've never experienced football with that type of speed and that type of energy, and that type of ferocity. So the only thing I see is if Kalen Ponga tries to play this origin series is that he will get injured, and he will get injured more than he was last season. But let's hope not. that's not the case. Uh, let's hope that smart decisions are made, and, and let's put it this way. Let's, let's say something a lot of people don't say. I don't care about your fantasy teams. I don't care about what you might have gambled. Let's just hope in the best interest of Kalen Ponga the right decisions are made and, the, and that the young man is put in the right direction or pushing the right direction to do what's best for him and his career going forward. So that's something to watch um, coming up, what some decisions are going to be made about Kalen Ponga and, and State of Origin coming up in a few weeks. Well, let's go to your favorite part, I, and I know I get excited about it, and that's your guns of the week. Your best players. And I'm going to go and don't, listen, shedheads, don't be sending me emails saying that I'm going Homer on this. I don't want to hear it. I'm not going Homer. I don't care. My number one gun of the week is, is the big Texan, Mason Cox. You're only American running around in the AFL. That's right. Mason Cox is my number one gun. And and and, and the reason I picked Mason Cox <laughs> and even though the rumors coming out that the fans of West Coast were yelling at him that they hope he gets covid like your president, I heard that that was what was being yelled at him from the passionate West the West Coast Eagles fans. Wow, West Coast, that's violent, isn't it? And I if and I hope he doesn't cough on you if he after he scored the three the three The three uh, goals that he did. But the thing that, why I said Mason Cox is my, my pick for being my number one gun is that Mason Cox had three goals, six disposals, and five marks. Okay? You might say, well, those are okay numbers. No, those are really great numbers because Mason Cox kicked those three goals in the first quarter. And that set the foundation to Collingwood believing they could win that match. And if the big American doesn't do that, Collingwood probably does not go over the top and win that, that game by one point. And that to me is why Mason Cox was my number one gun. Because of all the players that I have here in front of me that I, that I have as my, other, my top three guns, Mason Cox probably had the best, the biggest impact on the outcome of the game down the, down the track. Because he let that team believe when no one else believed that it could happen, by the way that he started and got the pies believing. So Mason Cox is my number one gun of the week. Number two and I, I've probably faced a little backlash from this, because I think you guys think I don't like the TikTok Prince. I'm, oh, I'm sorry, did I say that? Nathan Cleary. Nathan Cleary. Uh, Nathan Cleary is my number two gun. And Nathan Cleary has just just did what Nathan Cleary's done all year. Nathan Cleary had two tries, two tries, excuse me, three tries, four goals, 544 kicking meters, one line break, one tackle break, and 46 total running meters. Wow. Nathan Cleary, and I I need to put an asterisk there, because yes, Nathan Cleary did all of that, but you cannot win an entire AFL or rugby league match by yourself. In the Penrith Panthers' one-two punch of Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary, even though Cleary got the three tries, Jerome Luai was the one that provided the kicks and the moxie of that team. Nathan Cleary may be the future captain next season of Penrith, but I really feel that Jerome Luai is the heartbeat of that team. There's something as I watch him play, I think that he takes pressure off of Nathan because neither one of them are the most outspoken individuals, but there's something behind the eyes of Jerome Luai when you watch him. That he loves a little bit of a dirty fight. He loves to get in there and to kind of get in your ear a little bit. And he's got flair about him when he plays. And, and Nathan is able to play his game because the way Jerome plays his. And yes, Nathan is my number two gun for the week. But that asterisk is very much Jerome Luai as well, being a part of that. And my last gun... I might have hinted, pay attention, shed heads, because I usually will give you guys a little insight of where I might be leaning, but my number three gun was Ryan Pappenhausen. Papa, as they call him. But Pappenhausen had two tries, two try assists, two line breaks, one tackle break, 265 total running meters, and 91 kick return meters. And again, you heard me talk about him earlier. The guy is straight electricity. Maybe we should call him Electro. But, but, but Ryan Pappenhausen, for a guy just 12 months ago that they didn't know where his place was going to be in the Melbourne Storm side, let me tell you this right now. There's no one else that is the fullback for the Melbourne Storm but Ryan Pappenhausen. That is his now. There, there probably hasn't been a bigger stamp for the Melbourne Storm at fullback since Billy Slater. And and they did some comparison of the first 12 games or first season of those two guys side by side. And it's scary how close the similarities are between the two players. And I, I think, truthfully, that Pappenhausen has a different gear and speed than Billy had, too. Billy the Kid. But that's my opinion. But Pappenhausen, I think that the storm goes as far as Pappenhausen goes. I know a lot of people think it's Cameron Smith, and you know, you're not gonna say that Cameron Smith isn't a major, major, major component. And we also don't know about about Cameron Munster. You know, we don't know how bad Munster's injury truthfully is. To see Cameron Munster throw excuse me, to see Cameron Munster throw his mouth mouth guard down the way that he did in anger from his injury that he picked up. In the Eels match, um, there's a lot of components that make up for a team that makes it all the way through to the grand final and wins it. But I think that remains to be seen. But Pappenhausen to me is 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 everything for the Melbourne Storm and and will be going forward. So those are my guns for the week. Let me know. Send me send me a message if you think that somebody else uh, deserves to be there. And, and going forward, shedheads, please. I love the interaction with you guys. Send me emails. Let me know what you think, what you feel. If there's something that you saw possibly out there um, or a player that you think I'm overlooking, let me know. Because the Sheds is our place, is our locker room. And we're talking outside of them right now, yeah. But we're in this together and we're talking about it. Now, I may overrule you, but I would love to listen to you. So let me know and talk to me. So we finished with Outside the Bubble about the things that might be happening outside these, these, this, this, this down-under world that we love, that we cherish, that we embrace. And my number one thing outside the bubble is, and I hate to say it because I know a lot of us watch movies. We love our sport, love our game. I think we love those things more and more to get us out of the thought process of COVID. And the reality of what is happening Outside our walls Outside our homes Outside of our apartments But the NFL has been living In this made up world That they were just gonna March through the season Without a bubble And I know a lot of people Know that the NBA did a bubble Where they were totally secluded Down in Florida At uh, Disney World or Disneyland I get the two confused or the NHL, the way they did it with Toronto and Edmonton, all the guys being in a the bubble there. Uh, and by the way, uh, I, I just saw that um, the, the great centerman for the Edmonton Oilers um, just got in testing positive for COVID-19. And I cannot believe I totally just flubbed his name right now. Huh, Fascinating. But you know who I'm talking about, Shedhead So figure it out I'm not going to give you all the answers Connor McDavid, everybody It's Connor McDavid I, would, I wouldn't do that to you But anyway But the NFL thinking that they can just go on And just march through Because we're the shield And not be affected by COVID And we don't have restrictions on our players We, we don't have our players isolated The NFL is living in a fantasy world and that fantasy world really came to light when Cam Newton tested positive for COVID. And just a few days later, the Patriots packed up on two separate planes, flew to Kansas City, played the, 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 the reigning Super Bowl champions, got back on their freaking, their jets, flew back to New England, and then say, uh-oh, oh, we've had another couple players now test positive for COVID. And one of those players... They have footage of him being face-to-face and talking after the game with Patrick Mahomes. And you, uh, Mama Mahomes, you heard me say I, I did say Patrick and not Pat Mahomes. Anyway, um, talking to Patrick Mahomes. Now, to this point, we're, they're still saying that Patrick Mahomes has not tested positive for COVID. But folks, I'm grabbing my temples as I say this right now. We know it's not a hoax. We know that it's real. We know that we should be wearing masks. And if you don't, live in your own world and just stay away from me. But one of the things that we've been told over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again is that if you've come into contact, you may not show that you have the virus tomorrow. You may not show that you have the virus five days from now. Hell, you may not show that you have the virus eight days from now. But you are not out of the woods until, until 14 days later, you're still testing negative. No, I don't know who you listen to for your science. I am not a scientist. Matter of fact, I haven't liked science since I was in fifth grade. But I know enough to listen that I even know that, that I'm not out of the clear if I come into contact with somebody for 14 days. And I need to keep getting tested. And then I need to isolate. There's a word. If you don't know how to spell it or know what it means, look it up. But this is only going to get worse, NFL. This is only going to get worse because the Texans have now not played two weeks in a row because it just came down that they are pushing their game this week against the Buffalo Bills back to maybe possibly Tuesday because they just had another player. I think that's 22 in total now test positive for covid. That's over that's we're not at the full 2 week mark yet and they're still testing positive. So what can we get through our heads here that you have to isolate and that this league is not going to run the way that we want the shield to just run over the top of everything if you do not respect what you're up against. And you would think a league that is so much about, you know, we got to have the right matchups. We got to make sure that we do, you know, we got to have all the, do you have the statistics right now about the tackles we made? Yeah, we've got to change our defense. You've got to change your defense right now, NFL, because COVID will whoop your ass. And I'm, hard, I'm sorry to say that that way, but it's going to whoop you because a virus is going to win out. Now, here's the thing. I'm not saying that everybody's going to get sick. But you're not going to be able to play games. And now we have one team that's already two weeks almost behind. We're having to change games. We don't know now what the what the results are going to be. The New England game has now been pushed back too. We just don't know. And the truth of what's supposed to happen is both these teams, when there's a test, a positive test, probably shouldn't be able to play for two weeks. But the Shield can't have that happen now, can it? We can't continue to not let people who have made a lot of money continue to make more money by doing it the way to look out for what's best for everybody. Because let's remember, most of these players have wives, have children, have parents, have loved ones. They're not sleeping in their locker room. They're not sleeping in their lockers. They're going home to their lives. And those lives will be affected by... What happens at their practice facility and on the field? We can't be flipping about this, folks. We can't be flipping about it. We can't go outside and look and go, "I just don't want it to exist. It won't exist." That let me ask you a question if if i if you looked in the mirror or if i if you looked in the mirror and saw that you had the biggest zit on your chin, would you go and walk outside without trying to cover it up or And just go, yep, it doesn't really exist. I'm totally fine. And just walk down the street and think that everyone doesn't see that you've got that zit on your chin. Because that's what's happening right now. We're walking outside just saying, we're not going to, this doesn't exist. I'm good to go. It exists, folks. It exists. And we better just be fortunate and happy that this doesn't have the danger factor of an an Ebola. Because we'd really be in trouble. We wouldn't be thinking about, well, let's just take two different planes. We'd be in trouble. And I'm not getting. I'm going to get off my soapbox right now because, by God, if you don't know it now, after the amount of deaths that have happened around the world, if it still doesn't kick in, well, I hope Santa Claus visits you this year too as well. So the Raiders just had a player test positive today too, and guess what? Old Chucky Gruden still had them practice today too after the guy tested positive. So I, I, I don't know. I know football coaches think rub a little dirt on it sometimes. But guess what? NRL coaches are pretty tough guys too. And they know the greater good is the game and their players. Anyway. My second big thing of outside the bubble that I want to talk about is the Los Angeles Lakers. And I think you remember old Shed Adamas over here tell you that the Lakers were going to win the NBA championship. And yes, I know it hasn't happened yet. But Laker car flag nation, I know that you're polishing those flags up. You're getting ready to to wear your number 24 or 8 jersey or 32 jersey or 34 jersey. And you're about ready. And I don't know how your parade's going to look. But I know you're getting ready for it. Because the Lakers are one game away from winning the NBA championship to bring home their 17th NBA title. That's kind of incredible to think about. 17 NBA titles. 17 titles, period, huh? Impressive. But the Lakers are one game away. And with the injuries on the Miami Heat, even though we found some really incredible players in there, uh, Jimmy Buckets, Butler, Big Face Coffee, everybody. Look up Big Face Coffee. Tyler Hero, Bam, Drogic. The list goes on and on and on. But they... They were not going to beat the Lakers probably with a full squad. But to beat them as injured as they've been was not going to happen. But they've showed heart. They've got a game in the series. But I think they finished it up. And I just got word that the Lakers are going to play in their Black Mamba jerseys. And they have not lost a match in those jerseys in honor of Kobe. So this thing could be over with on Friday night. Um, it could be the, ma- the biggest masked party ever in the history of a city um, but who knows but the Lakers are that close so we're about ready to finish the bubble something a lot of people didn't think was possible but congratulations again to the NHL and to the NBA for doing it the right way and if you want to know how right it is even Major League Baseball saw that And all of their playoffs are being held inside of a bubble in select cities. And it's working. It's the only way it's really able to work, folks. Unless we want to just try to run over the top of it and not care about what the lasting results of possibly getting COVID might be. And the thing is, you, myself, Dr. Fauci, nobody knows yet what that could be. And that's why we have to treat it with respect and be smart about it. So we'll see, we'll see. But I've got to tell you something, Shed Heads. I am excited for this weekend. I'm excited to see what these outcomes are of these matches. Please, send me a line. Be a part of this. I, I love I love the Shed Heads because the Shed Heads make outside the Sheds what it is. You can talk to people that know me, people that love me. Yes, there, Yes, there are people that love me people that love me, and they will say that I may be able to talk to anybody about anything for probably way longer than needs to be talked about. That being the case, I want to talk to you. So send me a line. Let me know what you think. Tell your friends about us. If you think they're cool enough, invite them to be a shedhead as well. But until next week, like I always say, Have a good time. Take care of one another. Be smart. And if you're not going to be good, just don't get caught. But until next time, everybody, this is your host, Corey Jackson. You've been listening outside the sheds. And shed heads, see ya! And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson, talking all things NRL, AFL and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.